Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Psalm 8, new series. I'm going to talk about God's design, God's design for man. What was God's design for man? What in the world do we recognize from Scripture was basically his very purpose of creating man, how he desired for man to function, what he desired for man to do, and live out this life. Because you're going to see as we get into this series Most of the time we talk about it as it relates to spiritual development, but we're going to add a lot of elements to this this time around and understand the significance of the fact that this is all about God's design. This is all about how he created us, how he wants us to function, and the truth is we could not walk in, we, context of uh, uh, those who weren't born again, we could not walk in God's design for man until we got born again. All through the Old Testament after the fall, nobody could walk in God's true design for man. They could walk with God to the degree they knew him and walk with him and heard him. But they couldn't walk in his full design as you're going to see. Because because of the fall, part of that design was messed up and obviously harmed. But thank God Jesus corrected it and fixed it. In Psalm 8, this is some powerful verses here in Psalm 8. That the uh, psalmist, actual David, talks about relating to God here. Of course, you think about David. He was a shepherd. Most of these psalms came as he's sitting out there at night, you know, singing songs to the sheep, looking up to heaven, thinking about God, thinking about God's creation. Well, that's kind of what's going on here. In Psalm 8, verse 3, he said, David said, When I consider your heavens, talking to God, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers... The work of your fingers. You know, interesting in my life that every time I think about that, I go back to uh, before I ever knew Jesus. And I believe this was probably before I came into the knowledge of sin because until you do, you obviously haven't died spiritually. The Bible says when you come to the knowledge of sin, like Paul said, you die, Romans chapter 7. But I used to lay in bed at night when I was a little, just a little tight, and I'd hold my hand out. I don't know why. I'd hold my hand out in front of my face. I'd say, somebody must have created that. I do like this. Like, there's no way that could have. Somebody had the man. Somebody had an incredible intelligence to put this together to make this whole thing work. You know, just as a little kid. And so it's kind of similar to what David's saying here. Again, when I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. Just think about that alone. I mean, if we excluded us and we look at the universe. Look at the moon, look at the stars. They continually do their thing day after day, 24 hours a day, all hanging there, the Bible says, by the word of God. That is God's word that upholds them and has placed them there and upholds them in their place where they're supposed to be. Verse 4, what is man? So in the midst of all this vast universe, you know, if you, if you compare, if you look at a, how many of you have ever seen an actual scale of the earth compared to the sun, the moon, and all these other planets in its size. It's like a little speck of nothing. Now put you on that little speck of nothing. 
So this guy, David's just sitting there going through this. He's like, man, in the midst of all this vast bigness of this universe, all that you brought into existence, God, what in the world is man? That you are what? Mindful of him. And the son of man, talking about those who would come after Adam. So the, the reference here is man of God's creation, the son of man, those who would come through Adam. Talking about, so it's talking about all humanity. That's right. all it's referring to. Because the, the second term there, son of man, the second word man is a different word. It actually refers to Adam. God, Adam was God's first man creation. And then, of course, through descendancy, all, these, all, all the rest of mankind came uh, initiating from Adam and Eve. And the son of man that you would what? Visit him. Now, the word visit here is kind of interesting. Obviously, God did visit Adam and Eve when he created him in the garden. But if you look this up and if you have a center column reference Bible, the reference here actually says it this way. What is the son of man that you would give attention to or care for him? What is it about man that you would give attention to him or take care of him? Obviously, you created him for a purpose. Why? Why would you give attention to this man that you created and obviously care for him? Five, you've made him a little lower than the angels. Now, I've told you this many times. It is not a controversial statement. It's a fact. If you go back to the Hebrew language of which the Old Testament was written, you got to understand that translators of this Bible coming from the history of the Jewish view of God, they wouldn't even spell God's name out on paper. So in relationship to God, they just thought we don't even hold a candle close enough to God to even mention God's name, talk about God for who he really is. That's actually, that, that was not God's view. That was the human's view. So here they were afraid to translate this from the original Hebrew as to what it said. The original Hebrew word here is Elohim. Elohim. Angels didn't create us. God did. The context here is clear. What he's saying in the context of the Hebrew, it actually says it this way. Notice this, five. You've made him a little lower than God. Elohim. You've made man a little lower than you. So we're not God. But we are in creation. We're right under God as we're going to see in just a minute. You've made him a little lower than you. Notice this. You've crowned him. You've crowned him with what? Glory and honor. In other words, he's given us an ability to both walk in his presence, glory, and he's given us a place of honor. Now, honor here actually is the word for rank. Or if you want to say it this way, position or place of authority. As we're going to go back and see in a minute, God clearly did that when he created man. He not only clothed him with his presence, he gave him a position of honor. He gave him a position of rank, a position of authority, place of dominion. This is all a part, as David's talking by the Holy Spirit, this is all a part of what's now coming up out of his spirit about him making man. You still with me? Yes. Verse 6, he even begins to talk about it. You have made him to have dominion. Amen. Yes. You've made him to have dominion over what? The works of your hands. Now, that's talk, not talking about other humans, but that's talking about all that God created in this sphere that we're living in. Guess who God gave dominion over all of that to? Man. Dominion or care, the care of what he created was put under the hands of man. Notice it goes on to say in verse 6, you've put what? How many? Tell me out loud, please. You've put all things under his feet. So here's this place of what the Bible again 
the English saying honor in verse 5 is actually referring to this place of rank. He's now referring to that. You've clothed him with your presence and you've given him a position of rank or a position of authority of which clearly, verse 6, you have now placed in creation, creation to man. You've placed all things where? Under his feet. He goes on and talks about some of it. Verse 7, all the sheep, he knew that all too well because he, he was a caretaker of his dad's sheep. All the sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, fish of the sea, that pass through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord. O oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. In other words, thinking about all these things, he's like, Lord, there is nobody like you. You are truly the Lord of Lords. You are above everything of creation and everything we could ever think of that would be, in essence, really, truly glorious or magnificent. No, 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 no. Not above God. Not above God. How excellent. Excellent is your name in all the earth. So God does everything with what? Excellence. Excellence. So back here to verse 5, he talks in verse 4, what is man that you're mindful of him, that you would visit him, that you would care for him? Verse 5, what is man that he did all this for? Well, you made him a little lower than you, and you crowned him with this glory and this honor. Verse 6, to take dominion over the work of your hands. God's design for man... Say that with me. Was for us to have dominion over the works of his hands. Now there's two things I want to mention about that. Number one, that doesn't that means, excuse me, that means we're not to be doing what we want. We're supposed to be doing what he wants us to do with what he created. This doesn't give us the right to take advantage of what he created and what he brought into existence to do whatever we want, although man has. This is us choosing to do what? Be a caretaker. To be a steward over what God placed in existence for us to be able to take care of it in a way that God wanted us to do so in this earth. Also keeping all things under our feet where they belong. Now the reason he brings up all things were placed under our feet is because there's nothing on this planet, even under the time we live with Satan here, there's nothing on this planet higher than you And relating to this planet of dominion and authority. Well, what about God? Well, he'll return. The Bible says he's going to come back and take full all authority. Now, he's already been given all authority of the earth, but he's going to come back and take it back. You listening? He's going to come back at one point, sit down on the Mount of Olives. He's going to walk down through that Kidron Valley and up up to the temple there, and he's going to take full rulership again. But until that time, guess who's here to rule over the works of his hands? We are. This is God's design for man. Now, as simple as that is to understand, we've got to further understand not only that, that that's not really the heart of my message. That is something we need to understand about God's design for man. But we need to understand how does that work? That's the key. How does this work? Go to Genesis chapter 1. Do I have you intrigued at all? Genesis chapter 1, if we are created by God to have dominion over the works of his hands and all things have been placed under his feet, this was his design. Now listen, well, that all changed with the fall. David's talking about this after the fall. What David is speaking of prophetically here is after the fall. 
So this refers to not just the time of before the fall. This refers to the time we're still in. Understanding the Bible reveals it. Reality is the aspect of what we had, a full reign and authority has been partially relinquished to Satan. This is why Satan has access to the earth. This is why he has the right to bring his very destructive works in this earth. Because if you don't know it, you can make a note of it. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says he's the God of this world. Now that's not all that's in the world that God made. It's talking about the very system we see of what functions in this earth. He has been given a place of, a, of an opportunity to bring his form of rulership, meaning that he can do certain things, but he can't overtake the believer because the believer's been given full authority over him. We're to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. So nothing's changed for the believer other than the fact that now, after the fall, we have evil, evil to deal with. Before then, there was no evil to deal with. I'll just throw this out just ahead of time. We'll get back to it later on in this series, probably in a few weeks. But this is powerful to learn. What's powerful to learn is when the temptation came in the Garden of Eden, before that temptation, there was two trees spoken about. There was the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. Now, guess, guess which one Adam and Eve were allowed to eat of? The tree of life. The tree of life refers to the life of the Spirit. So guess what they should have been feeding on? The tree of life. I'm going to refer back to this later. This will be a great little nugget to throw out here. They're supposed to be feeding on the tree of life. What does that feed? Your spirit man. But you know what they chose to do? They chose to feed off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What does that feed? Your soulish nature. And so this is what we need to understand about walking in dominion on this earth as to what happened in the fall. How can we regain our position where God wants us to be, which we now have in Christ, and actually live it out? How do we do that? How do we do that? Let's go back to creation. Genesis 1. You still with me? Verse 26. So here we have God speaking with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. All three of them at the time of creation. How do we know? Verse 26. God said, let us. Let us. So who's involved in creation? God the Father. Listen carefully. God the Son. And God the Holy Spirit. Now I know there's some, you know, there's some who say there is no Trinity. There are the church, the staunch church of Christ believes we get to heaven. You, there ain't going to be no God, the Father, God, the Son, the Holy Spirit. There's just going to be a one person there. Well, that ain't true. We can prove there's a trinity really simple. Go to the, go to the baptism of Jesus. When G there's the Son of God. He's right there in the River Jordan. Where'd he come from? Heaven. Well, he's certainly separate from the Father. And when he's being baptized in the River Jordan, whose voice comes from heaven? The Father. Well, that wasn't Jesus talking. That was the Father in heaven. And then who, who came down as in a form of a dove upon him? The Holy Spirit. So, you know, I, I'm not going to get into this whole issue about, you know, do you believe in the trinity or not? Well, obviously the Bible proves it. And here God's talking about it. Let us make man in our image. So when we say God made man, what are we really saying? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit made man. I want you to get that. He didn't say, let me make man. Let us. So this was a combined effort. This was a combined work. Why? I want you to get this. This is so powerful. Lord, please help me get this across. For us to function in God's design of dominion, we have to understand how the Father does that. Because we just mimic it. Right. We just mimic that same design. You don't do something different and walk in God's design of dominion for man. You walk in the same design as God himself. Yes. Well, when God created us, it, see, a lot of us just think, oh, the Father created us. No, he didn't. He was just one part of the Trinity. 
Let us make. I'm going to show you in a minute. Let us make man. So who made man? God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All three were involved. Or the phrase, let us make man, is, is a total lie then. Because if it was the Father talking, and it's the Father talking, if it was the Father talking to Jesus, the Holy Spirit, he said, you know what, guys? I think I'm going to make a man. That's what he would have said. Are you all in on this? Are you with me on this? Now, he's talking to them. You know. I, I'm going to make a man. I'm glad you're in on this. That's what he would have said, though. He said, I'm going to make a man. Y'all watch now. Y'all watch because I'm going to make a man. But guess what? God, the way God functions through dominion, is always with all three of the Godhead. Amen. Everything Jesus did involved all three of the Godhead. Right. I don't believe that. I'm going to prove it to you. Everything God does in function as God comes with all three of the Godhead involved. How are you going to function as a three-part being? See, God's design for man is to function as a spirit with the soul and a body. God's design for man is not for you to function just as a soul and a body, which you've done after the fall. His design is for you to come back to his, his purpose is for you to come back to the original design. Function like him. What is man you're mindful of him? Oh, you, you've put him over all the works of your hands. You've given him dominion. Well, how are you going to function in that? The same way God does. Amen. You won't do it without all three of these parts working together. Amen. Here's the problem with the average Christian. They are not walking together in unity in all three of these parts. They are not. And if we're going to walk in what God called us to walk in and do what God called us to do, we're going to have to do it the same way God does. Yes, Are you listening? You're going to get some stuff out of this you've never heard before, I promise you. Because I've got stuff I've never heard before. Well, I've already heard it. Okay, praise God. Well, you just sit along with all the rest of us and just shout amen then. You ought to be the loudest ameneer in the room. If you've already got it all, you ought to be shouting amen louder than everybody else. God said, let us make man again in what? What did he say? So we're made just like God. Now, wait a minute. We're not made just like the Father. No. We're made just like what? God. God said. God said. God said. God said. God said. So we're not made just like the Father. We're made just like what? God. Three-part being. You listening? He, he said we are made in. We're going to let us, let us make man in what? Tell me. Tell me. Tell me. Say it out loud, please. Our image. Three-part being. According to what? Tell me out loud, please. Our likeness. Notice this. Let them have dominion. So here we see from what you know, David picked up on what relating to God in Psalm 8. Here's, it's being declared in creation. Let them have what? Dominion. Over what? Well, David talked about some of this. Over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, cattle. Over all the earth, over every creeping thing creeps on the earth. You, you believe whatever you want. You can live however you want. You can do whatever you want because you got a free will. But I'm going to tell you something. As a bull rider for 16 years, when I saw this verse, man, I was so hungry for God reading the Bible every day. I kept reading this. Let them have dominion. I knew what I did know a little bit about my authority and dominion. As I knew as a born-again believer, I've got that dominion back to Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus gave us that authority back. 
And knowing that, I'm reading this verse one day, and I mean, I lit up, man, like a light bulb, you know, for the first time that I'd never seen any form of uh, darkness till I, it was gone, darkness was gone. Let them have dominion over the cattle, over the cattle, over the cattle, over the cattle. Bulls are part of cattle. Wait a minute, I got dominion over them. You can ask this gal right here. When I learned this truth, I laid hands on every bull I ever got on after that. Not one of those bulls harmed me. Amen. You say what you want. That was, that was for several years I did that. Why? Because I had dominion. Amen. God said so. I just believed it. I, did a, I had a bull riding school one time, and I was, you know, helping guys on one end of some chutes, and there was a young guy down on, we had chutes on both sides, the alley, out, out gate in the center, there was some over on this side, some over on that side, I'm helping a young guy, showing him some equipment, getting his stuff on, and I hear this man, this constant, you know, bulls fighting a chute over here, racket going on over here, guy trying to get his rope on, I said, hang on a minute, I'll be right back. So I walked over here to this other side over here, and here's this young guy, it's the second time he's been to my school, and he's standing there trying to get on his bull. And this bull just fighting the sheet like crazy. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, get off, get off, get off. So he gets off. I immediately just jumped up on top of that chute. I dropped down on that bull. I laid my hands on him and I took authority. I said, I command you to stop fighting in this chute right now in Jesus' name. Bull stood. I said, you will not fight in this chute anymore in the name of Jesus. I have authority over you. As long as you're in this chute, you will not fight. The contractor was so hilarious. He said, don't pray the buck out of him. I said, I ain't doing that. But when I got done, I looked up at that boy and his jaw was like on the ground. Because he couldn't even, I mean, just try to get a foot on him, he'd start going crazy. I'm sitting on him. And he said, can I really get on him? I slapped that bull on one side of the head. I slapped that bull on the other side of the head. He just stood there. I said, he ain't going nowhere. Get your rope on him. Now, we uh, we always had a church service at our schools. This was on Sunday. We always had a church service at our schools on... No, this was on Saturday. We always had a church service at our schools on Sunday morning before a school on Sunday. And so we had a church service that next day. That boy gave his life to Jesus. And he came up to me after service. He said, you want to know why I gave my life to Jesus? Uh, uh, I wasn't pastor then. He said, you want to know why I gave my life to Jesus? Daryl and I said, why'd you give your life? Did you want Tell me, yeah, I'd like to know why. Why'd you do that? He said, it's my second school. I've heard you talk about God, how it really is. When I saw that, I knew your God was real. And I wanted him in my life. What if Christians really proved to the world God's real? You know, we're not. We're not walking in his design. Spirit, soul, and body working together. Like a better amen. You're not going to try to use that authority just by knowledge in your head and see it work. It's got to come out of your spirit, man. So watch this. God very clearly gave us dominion. Verse 27, he created man in his own what again? So in case you haven't picked up on it yet, he's trying to remind you about this. Who created man? God who? Don't forget it. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So if God created man in his image, what does that mean? We're a three-part being. We're supposed to function like one. Because we're supposed to function just like God. God never functions apart from the rest of the Godhead. Jesus did nothing that the Godhead was not functioning in and through his life. I'm going to prove it to you. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created what? Man, him, male and female, he created them. Then God did what? He blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and do what? Fill the earth and tell me. Come on, tell me. Subdue it. Have dominion. There it is again. 
have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, of course, this is for all other humans came. So he's not talking about you have authority over humans. He's talking about all that he created that's on the earth. God said, see again, I've given you herbs. Uh, I've given you uh, every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed for, to you, it shall be for food. So, say, I was created. I was created. Say this again, I was created. In the image of God. Now let me say it more properly. Say I was recreated. In the image of God. Because due to the fall. Well let me. I'm jumping ahead of myself. Let's just drop down here to chapter 2. Go a little further then down here to chapter 2. You still with me? You need to pay attention. Need to pay attention. If your, friend, if your neighbor can't stay awake. You better get something around them. Jerk their slack out of their chain today. Genesis 2-7. The Lord God formed man. Of the dust of the ground. What did he do? Now tell me, what did he do? Formed, Formed what? Man. Formed what? Man. So this is the human side. This is the fleshly side. This is the actual, what we, the New Testament calls the soma or the body side. How do we know? Read on. He formed man of the dust of the ground. This is why, this is why you should never feel bad. I'm going to use Brother Hagin's words. You don't like mine uh, sometimes when I say this maybe. So I'll use Brother Hagin's words. You can still get mad at me if you want. Brother Hagin, who had been to heaven when he died and came back because the Lord said not time for you to be here yet. You got work to do. Brother Hagin said, don't ever feel bad about anybody passing away that knows Jesus. Amen. They wouldn't come back if they could in relationship to, obviously, if it was their choice, they'd say, uh-uh, I'm staying here. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I ain't going back. Are you kidding? You should never feel bad, he said. Amen. Why? If they're a believer, you ought to rejoice. Amen. Why would you feel bad about them going to the place of glory? Amen. Being in the presence of God. But the reason that our body stays here is because it came from the dust of the ground. So, in truth, when we talk about people who pass away, I brought this up to some of the day. I said, I remember the very first service, memorial, young pastor, maybe a year into pastoring or less, and we had a gal that sadly had a baby stillborn. And that was my first memorial service I had to do. Never done one. Don't think I didn't get in prayer. God, what am I going to say? What am I going to tell these people? All spirits come from God. We know that baby came from God. That spirit, they're a spirit, they have a soul, live in a body. And, and the Lord, the very first thing he said to me was, he said, everybody stakes, makes this statement every time somebody passes away, I'm so sorry for your loss. He said, I have a question for you, son. What happens when you lose something? You don't know where it's at. Well, guess what? You know right where that baby's at. You stand up and tell this family, you didn't lose a thing. You're going to get to see your daughter when you get to heaven. Her name is Zoe. Her Zoe. You're going to see her when you get to heaven. Amen. And I'm telling you, God gave me, thank you, Jesus, what I needed to help that family with to see a truth about the fact we get caught up a lot of times in this natural realm, but that's just one-third of you. I said, that's just one-third of you. The real you's on the inside of that body. If somebody passes away, listen, if somebody passes away, you don't lose them. What if they didn't know Jesus? Well, you still didn't lose them. You know where they are, sadly. But if they knew Jesus, guess what? You're going to see them again. You're just going to have one, we're going to have one huge reunion, folks. Are you listening? So he very clearly says here, he created, verse 7, he created man's body. The man talking about the form of the man here is the actual human side of him from the dust of the ground. But then what did he do? And he breathed into his nostrils. 
What do you breathe into him? Underline it. The breath of life. And man then became what? Now he's a living being like God. Before that, he's not a living being. He's just a body laying there. But when he breathes into him the phrase breath of life, when you look that up in the Hebrew, it refers to two things. It refers to his spirit with a soul. His spirit man with his soul. There's a lot of words that are used in the Bible relate to both the spirit of man, they relate to the soul of man, and they relate to the body of man. Sadly, a lot of Christians, because of the fall, I understand it, all we relate to primarily is our soul and our body. As long as you do that, you'll never walk by God's design. If all you do is function as a soul and a body, and most of us honestly do without realizing it, if that's all you do, but you don't function as a complete man, spirit, soul, and body, you're not going to take dominion. This is a reason why a lot of us aren't walking in victory. You don't take dominion any other way than the way God created dominion works. You listening? So how in the world can you prove it when God created man, breathed into man, how in the world can you prove it was God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit? I'm so glad you asked. So when God created us, he created us in his image and likeness, correct? Three-part being, correct? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I take time to stand three people up here, but no need to do that. You should be smart enough to visualize it. So if I had three people up here, we'd say one person, one aspect of that person of the living being is the spirit. One is the soul, soul mind, will, and emotions. And one is the body. body. They're not a body. They're not a soul either. They're actually a spirit being. Thus saith the Bible. God's a spirit. You're created in his image. God's not a soul. He has one. But he's a spirit. You're made in his image. Now, how do we know God functions this way and how we're supposed to function? Let me help you. If you want to look at the picture, you're made in the image and likeness of God. When God ever does anything in relationship to whatever he does as God, we're talking about God. We're talking about now what? Three beings. They function together. Where does all directive come from of everything that ever happens? The Father. Where's all directive supposed to come from in your life once you're born again? Your spirit. Jesus never does anything on his own. Never did. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father do. I only say what I hear. Oh, so Jesus never did anything on his own. No, he didn't. You know why? Because he functioned as God. That's right. Amen. And to function as God, they have to function together. Every healing ever Jesus ever did, the Trinity was involved. Right. Every deliverance, the Trinity was involved. Yes. You listening? Yes. Where does the directive come from? Where does the direction come from? Where does the understanding come from? The Father. When you get somebody born again, guess what? You go get somebody born again because you know that was the direction of the Father. You know that's the will of the Father. That's what the Father wants to have happen. Well, you got to know what the Father's will is, the ultimate, obviously, authority of what, obviously, we're to do in relationship to any aspect of our life, or otherwise you're not functioning in line with Him. In line with Him. Amen? So God the Father... Literally spoke, right? In creation, what did he do? What did he do? He spoke, light be. Correct? Yes, no, maybe. I don't have time to back up. But when he spoke, light be, how many know that the Bible calls Jesus the Word? So the Father's directive was, I want light. When he spoke light, Jesus is now involved because he's the Word. You listening? But who was hovering there waiting to bring it to pass? The Holy Spirit was. All three were involved in creation. All three are involved in God's work of dominion. If you want to walk in your rightful design for, as, as created by God of dominion, you got to do it as a three-part being. 
You still here? To function the way God created us, we got to work with our spirit in relationship to our soul. These three got to work together. And the problem is, due to the fall, guess what? One of them died. One of those three parts died in the fall. Are you with me? Down to, in chapter 2, down to verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden, and he, he put him there to tend it and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat freely, uh, freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you should not eat. Notice this, For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Well, his soul didn't die because we still see him talking to God. He has a mind. He has a will. He still has emotions. He's in a body. But something died. His spirit died. Guess what man could no longer do? Walk in God's initial design. Why? Because his spirit, soul, and body could not function together for God, like God, to fulfill God's will over creation. I want you to get that. When he died spiritually, he cannot work as a three-part being now to bring God's plan to pass because his spirit's dead, separated from God. So from the time of actual, the death of Adam's spirit and Eve's spirit, from that time on, how did man function as a soul with a body? They couldn't function three-part being in God's design because they could not function together as one with the spirit being dead. The spirit being dead, separated from God, cannot fulfill God's will. So the three can't work together. Not until you get born again. This is why I took our men through the series called The Total Man. Guess when you became a total man again? The day you got born again. Preaching better than your amen. But see, you got to function as a total man if you want to walk in God's design of dominion and authority because that's the way God does it. When God does something, who's involved? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Who's the direction coming from? The Father. Who now is actually the word that's actually declared that over that relationship to what God wants done? The Son. And who's the power to bring it to pass? The Holy Spirit. They all three work together in every situation that God ever does anything. If God does something, all three are involved. It's not like Jesus did it. No, Jesus did nothing apart from knowing the will of the Father. Once he knew the will of the Father, what did he do? He spoke what God said and the Holy Spirit... The power of God brought it to pass. This is why I said, it's not me that does the works, it's the Father in me. It's the Father in me doing the works. And the Holy Spirit was right there to help him because Jesus never did a miracle, sign, or wonder until after being baptized in the Holy Spirit to River Jordan. Now all three are functioning together in the earth. Is this too much for you? So you got to understand, for you and I to walk in God's design, guess what we got to do? We got to function with all three parts working together. See, a lot of times we talk about spiritual growth and development, and it's true. To be spiritually developed and matured means what? I am dominated by my spirit man. But wait a minute, guess what? If you're truly mature, the spirit man who you really are is the governing body, but it's working in connection with the soul and the body. Your spirit man is the primary one functioning and what you're doing is relating to how you make decisions and stuff. But guess who's got to carry that out? You need the soul and you need the body. Yes. That's right. 
So like the Father, we get directed through the Holy Spirit into our spirit man. We now have the plan of God. All we have to do is do what? Get our soul to get involved. Mind, will, and emotions. Come on. We got to get our emotions under control to what our spirit man knows. We got to get our words in line to know what our spirit man knows. Preaching way better than your amen. But if my soul knows those words, but my body, my mouth won't voice them, no dominion. They got to work together. God's design is functioning like he does. Three-part being. When you get these three-part beings working together as a whole, guess what you walk in? Dominion. When I learned in my spirit, man, I got authority over that, that bull. And I spoke over that bull. I didn't stop it. When I spoke over that bull, what did I do? I spoke the word. Who's now involved? Jesus is. Right? What's the power and dominion that that bull's going to recognize to not obviously fight in that shoot? The Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. You don't do that by natural means alone, by just speaking words out of your head. If those words wouldn't have come out of my spirit, man, that bull wouldn't have done anything. There's no dominion being taken. To take dominion, you've got to have all three parts working together. Can you see this? This, this is God's design for man. So now we go over to chapter 3, sadly, verse 1. Chapter 3, verse 1. So again, in Genesis 2, 17, God clearly said, the day you eat of this tree of knowledge of good and evil. See, what's knowledge of good and evil actually associated with? Your soul, knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. They would have never known evil had they never ate of that fruit. What caused them to eat of that fruit? Their soul. Their soul overrode their spirit man. And they chose by their own will through the soul to do something God said not to do. And when they did, their spirit died. And when their spirit died, guess what they could no longer do? They could no longer function in God's design the way he created. Because the spirit's now dead. Did God not say they would die? Yes, he did. Did they die therefore? Did God lie? God didn't, God didn't lie. They didn't instantly die physically because they're still alive in the context of the physical being. But something died. Genesis 3 verse 1, The serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed, the serpent, has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Was that true? Nope. That's already deceptive lie. No, he said you can eat of every fruit of the, every, every tree except for... So he's already trying to trip her up. See, Satan works on you more than you realize it. Satan says stuff to you all the time trying to get you to believe that that was God saying that. Well, didn't God say you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? In other words, you starve. You don't eat. God's mean. He don't even want you to eat of a single tree. No, he didn't say that. I said he didn't say that. I can't wait to run to the tree of life when I get to heaven and taste some of his fruit. It's there. I said, it's there. Yes. If you don't think we're going to eat in heaven, you need to talk to Jesus about that after he was raised from the dead. He had breakfast with his disciples. Right. We still get to eat. Yeah. You ready? No fat. <laughs> Hallelujah. Verse 2, the woman said to the serpent, she responds, well, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden... God has said, 
You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, already she's adding something on here that God didn't say. God didn't say, if you touch it, you'll die. Although, if you're not to eat it, guess what? It'd be a good thing not to touch it. Just avoid it. Stay away from it. It's like a lot of Christians. They know things they shouldn't do, but they just keep on touching it. And the more they touch it, eventually they partake. If you know you're not supposed to do it, it's harmful to your life. Why do you keep touching it? No, it says very clear. So she says, no, we can't touch it lest we die. Uh, can't even touch it. Uh, verse 4, the serpent said to the woman, you ready? Here comes a blatant lie. You shall, you, uh, you will not surely die. Absolute lie. Now he could say he wasn't lying because he could have been referring to their physical being. But he's still deceiving them because God said they would. They're going to die. Verse 4, then the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die, 5, for God knows in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. First of all, they're already like God. They're made in his image and his likeness. But here's what Satan does. He always mixes a little truth with a lie. Is what he said there true? Yes, it is. God said, if you eat of that tree, you'll now know good and evil. Well, that's what he just told her. You'll now know good and evil. Why do you want to know evil? You listening? So he mixes in a little truth to entice her further, acknowledging part of what God had said. Notice this 6. So when the woman saw, say she saw. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food. Let me help you. She ain't looking at that with her spirit man. She's looking at it through her natural eyes with her soul focused on that tree. When she saw the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to what? Tell me. Not her spirit man. Pleasant to her eyes. A tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also then gave to her husband with her, with her and he ate. I'm not going to get into the argument. You know, was he there? Did he know? It don't tell you 100% for sure. So why even? Look at the fall happened. I said the fall happened. Quit trying to figure out the woman's at fault. The woman's fault. The woman's fault. That's the man's fault here. Who cares? You, you just want to argue? Let me, let, me solve, let me solve the argument for you. They fell. They died. People always want to focus on the wrong stuff. Why don't you focus on what God did to fix that? Notice verse 7. The eyes of both of them were then opened. They now knew, uh, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Why did they need them now? Before that, what did they have on them? The glory of the Lord. Verse 8, then they notice they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam his wife hid and Adam and his wife, and they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Don't have to got time to go there, but I've taught you this before. The presence of God there means the face of God. They could no longer see him face to face. Not possible. Bible proves that, and there's a lot of verses that back that up. Or they'd have died. So understand, the moment they partook of that fruit, what happened? This is the day that man came out of God's design. When man died, he came out of the design of God for man. Because his spirit's now dead, guess what he cannot do for God? He cannot function the way God designed with his spirit, soul, and body working in concert together so he could take dominion. Couldn't do it anymore. Why? Spirit's dead. I said his spirit's dead. But Jesus did something about it. Go to 1 Thessalonians, please. Chapter 5. 
just want to lay some groundwork on this first part of our series. I hope you're going to listen to this series. I hope you're going to pay attention to it. Because the truth is, guess what the church needs to do? They need to function under God's design. And taking dominion over the, king, the things of this earth isn't just for your personal pleasure. It's not for what you want. It's for what God wants. I didn't take authority over those bulls because it was just an advantage to me. I learned that I could do it. I learned that I had an actual uh, authority to do so. And therefore, it would help protect me from something that was trying to harm me in the time of my life when I was still trying to make money doing that. And it led to a young boy giving his life to Jesus. It opened his eyes up to the fact that God is who he says he is. Well, I'm going to go lay my hands on this animal in my house. I'm glad you said something. Bless God. I'm gonna, you better know in your heart. See, if your spirit, soul, and body are not working together, there's no dominion being released. Here's the problem with a lot of Christians. They learn some scripture and it's in their head, but it's not their heart functioning out of. It's their functioning out of their head. Like Brother Hagin said, I can teach you all the principles of faith and how they work and you can do them day in and day out and they won't do a thing for you. Not till you believe it in your heart. Till you believe it in your heart, your confession and your actions will do nothing. They'll do nothing. God said you got to believe it in your heart. I love this verse, one of my favorites. Mark 9, 23, all things are possible to him who confesses the word. All things are possible to him who confesses and acts on the word. No, all things are possible to him who believes. You got to believe it in your heart. That's the problem with a lot of believers. And the reason they're having a tough time actually doing what they're called to do being a believer is because they either don't know they're a believer, number one, or number two, they're not functioning with their spirit in line with their spirit, with their soul and their body. The way this is supposed to work, as I've told you already before in relationship to our time with our men in this, is the spirit, your spirit, say my spirit. Your spirit is now to be the dominant part of you. I want to get this in here before we get too far. You have a spirit nature, listen, and you have a soulish nature. Romans 7 will tell you this. Galatians 5 will tell you this. When it talks about the flesh, it's talking about the old soulish fallen Adamic nature. There's nothing about your soul that's born again. James tells you so. James says your, your soul has to be renewed. You know what he literally says there in James chapter 1? It says your soul has to be saved. He's talking about born again believers. What's it got to be saved from? The stupid wrong thinking that's been doing all this time since you've been a dead spirit. You got to change your thinking on this. You got to renew your mind now to see who you really are in Christ. And what God designed for you to walk in. Here's, a, here's something you got to understand. We're going to get into this. Hopefully we'll start into this, some of this tonight. The spirit is the higher nature. Say that please. The spirit is the higher How do we know? God said this in Isaiah. He said, my ways are not your ways. They're higher. My thoughts are not your thoughts. They're higher. And he's talking in that context of the Old Testament through the psalmist. He's talking about people who aren't born again. Your ways aren't mine. Why? Because you're a fallen being. You can't function the way I created you. Right. Your thoughts aren't like mine. Why? Because you're not a recreated being. You can't function like I created you to function. Amen. So under the Old Testament, he declares through Isaiah, your thoughts aren't mine. Your ways aren't mine. Guess what? My thoughts are much higher. My ways are much higher. You have a choice today. You have a choice every day of your life. You can choose to learn what I'm going to teach you and rise up into the higher life God paid for you to live in, or you can keep living in the lower nature life of your soul. It's your choice. When we function out of the soul, guess what we're living in? The lower nature. Your soul is the lower nature. Your soul cannot know what God knows. Only your spirit can. 
It can relate it to your soul, but your soul don't pick it up. Are you listening? Your soul doesn't get it. The Bible says here spirit doesn't bear witness with your soul. It bears witness with your spirit. As long as I function out of my soul and body to this day, born again as a child of God with a brand new spirit, I'm living under my lower nature. I'm not, fu- I'm not functioning under God's design. Because the only way dominion gets released and exercised on the earth is the same way it works for God. It takes all three parts working together. And when you get the brand new born again child of God's spirit, who's a new creation perfect in the sight of God, to get this soul under your submission, subjected to you, the spirit man, and then your body just carries out what it was told. You're walking just like God. See, your spirit's supposed to be the one deciding and determining what you do. But your spirit has to deal with your soul and relate this to your soul. Your soul then has to pick it up knowing what to say, knowing what to do, and then the body has to carry it out. It has to actually say it. It has to actually, actually has to act upon the word. Your soul can't know what the spirit believes. Well, I believe I'm healed. And the soul says, I know it. But the body decides I'm not acting on it. Then it, you'll have no dominion working. Wait, but it's not know what the Bible says. And the spirit doesn't have yet the dominance. The soul just says, well, I'm going to try this. That's not coming from your spirit, man. This is not a try thing. This is your new lifestyle. You're going back to God's design. This is the way man was created to live. He had no problem doing this until he allowed his soul to rise up and make a decision above his spirit, man. What he knew in his heart was wrong. And he chose to do it anyway. And when you and I function out of our spirit, man, with the soul in concert, listen, and the body carrying it out, guess what you're walking in? The higher life. You've come up into the higher nature. Come on. But if you're just functioning out of your soul, what your mind tells you, what your will tells you, what your emotions tell you, come on, and your body's carrying that out, you're living on the lower end of nature. You're living down in the lower nature. You're living no different than the average human that doesn't know God. You're not walking under God's design. You're walking as a two-part being, not a three. Can I get a better amen? It's like I taught Allie. No, I taught Ray Ray. She, she, she turned three. She could do that. I cannot do that. She could do three like this. I couldn't do it. I said, I can't do that, Ray Ray. I said, do it like this. Now she does it like this. She walks up every I'm three. <laughs> I said, I can't do that. I can't do it like that. Because she'd come up to me, you know. I don't know, something about a girl's hand, I guess, that does it different. Right? She'd always come up and say, I'm about to turn three. I'd go like, I'd go like oh, I can't do that. Oh, you mean like three? She says, no, three. I said, <laughs> Like three? She said, no, pastor. No, three. I said, I can't do that. Do it like this. I'll, uh, do it like this, Ray Ray, three. So she kind of worked all the bit. And then I mean, a minute or two, she got it. I said, yeah, you're going to be three. Yeah, I'm going to be three. <laughs> now, you might think that's just a silly waste of time, but I'm going to tell you right now, God has a hard time getting some of you to just go and do what he said and function as a three-part being. Thank you very much. Some of you are still doing with two. Tell somebody next to you, I'm turning three. <laughs> I'm going to function as a three-part being. See, Ray Ray doesn't even know she's helping me preach today. 
I want you to see this. 1 Thessalonians 5. I know you know the verse, the verse, but listen carefully to it, please. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 is a New Testament confirmation verse of all that I'm telling you. Notice what he said in verse 23. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Set you apart what? Complete. Not a part of you. Every part of you. May he sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. What did he say? I want your whole spirit, soul, and the, real, the whole you. Not just your spirit. I want your spirit, soul, and body preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know why he wants that? Not just so you go to heaven. Why does he want that? I'll tell you why. Because now if you function the way he created you as a, as a spirit with, your, with submission from your soul in unison to your spirit man, your soul submitted and your body's carrying it out, you're carrying out God's design. You're walking in dominion. You're doing what God told you to do. And who's going to help us do this? 24, he who calls you is faithful who also will do it. If you'll follow his example, he'll show you how. I'll show you how to do it. I do it all the time. It's not just Jesus doing the work. Are you listening? It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I hope you, if you got nothing else today, start seeing that. When God said, let us create man, it wasn't the Father creating man. It was God the Father who had the idea. When he spoke, now the Word got involved. Jesus is the Word who became flesh and dwelt among us. And therefore, the Holy Spirit brought the power of God from him into that body yes. to illuminate that body and bring life into that body. Amen. And we were created just like God yes. to walk in dominion. Amen. Come on, somebody. Yes. So I am. Say, I am. I am, I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. Remember, you're not a body. He created the body of the dust to the ground. You're not a soul. He breathed in the man that phrase, the breath of life. He breathed in the man his spirit and his soul into the body. You're not a soul. Because James says your soul is not saved as a believer. It's got to be renewed to the word. So your spirit is the one that got saved. When Genesis 3, when man died, his spirit was separated from God. God could no longer function in man the way he wanted through his original design. But the moment Jesus came back from the dead, as the firstborn, not the only. Go to 2 Corinthians 5. As the firstborn, not the only. Why does it say, why does it say he's the firstborn? Because he's not the only. Tell him I'm the you know born. You don't know, but you're in there, right? Could be the millionth born. I don't know the fifty millionth born. I don't know how many has been born again, but he was just the firstborn. The moment man, hey, the moment you got born again, you got you've now been given the ability to go back to functioning in God's design for your life. Watch this. Second Corinthians five, familiar verses again. 2 Corinthians 5, 14, For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died, Jesus, if he died for all, why? Then all died. There was no reason for him to die for everybody if everybody hadn't died. Be no reason for him to do that. But he did because all had what? Died spiritually. Notice, he died for all. How many did he die for? All. Point to somebody next and say, that includes you. Tell them, that includes me. He died for all. Why? Why did he die for all? Listen carefully that those who live. So how do you live? You get born again. 
You, you get your spirit back alive when you get born again. You get that spirit recreated. So all those who live should no longer live for what? Yes, Come on, tell me out loud. Yes, Listen, but for yes. him who died for them and living for God is coming back to his design and functioning as a total man. God don't want you defeated. If you live for God, you won't be defeated. God don't want you overtaken by the works of evil. But if you don't walk in the design of God, you'll be overtaken by the works of evil. That don't please the Father. The Father wants you to walk in a way that pleases Him so you can come back to the very place of where He put you in dominion above all things with all things under your feet. But you're actually experiencing it. It's not just a spiritual reality. You're actually walking in the light of it. But it takes all three parts of your being for that to happen. Are you still with me? Watch this. Very clear. Verse 16. Therefore, from now on, because Jesus did these things, died for all, because all were dead, but all who are now alive are to live for him. Why are we to live for him? I just told you. Why are we to live for him? Why are we to live for him? To come back to his design and, and have dominion in this earth. Because guess what happens when you walk in the dominion God gave you everywhere you go? Guess what happens? The kingdom shows up. You know why the kingdom isn't being seen a lot in the earth? Because we ain't functioning as a three-part being. You can't walk in that dominion, that authority, without functioning like God as a three-part being. The reason God wants you to live for him is because everywhere he goes, excuse me, wherever you go, he wants you to walk in victory and he wants you to establish his kingdom. But if you're walking as a two-part being, you're no different than the world. His kingdom's not being established. You're a carrier of it, but you're not establishing it. I said you're a carrier of it, but you're not establishing it. He don't want you to just carry it around. You're a carrier of the kingdom. What does he want you to do? Establish it. Establish my dominion everywhere you go. Free the captive. Deliver the downcast. Come on, heal the sick. Cast out the demons. You freely receive, now go freely give. But you can't do that without functioning under God's design. Have I said that enough today? Watch this, 16. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Why? Because we're a three-part being. Now, knowing what Jesus did when he died, he gave us this life back. So we now recognize we ain't looking at each other like everybody else looks at each other, just carnal fleshly being. Sadly, a lot of Christians still do. Every time you get ticked off and mad at somebody in the natural, you're looking through the eyes of the flesh. You're looking at them as a carnal fleshly being, but they're not. They're a spirit. There's a spirit in there. I'll preach on. I can see you really like that point. Notice again, from now on, we regard what? No one. No one. That would include sinner or saint. We regard no one according to the flesh. Watch, even though we had known Christ according to the flesh, because when they first knew him, they didn't get all this stuff. They weren't born again. They just saw him as the one they thought would never leave. They were, that's why were they so depressed and down and out when he died? When he told them over and over again, I mean, black and white, man. I mean, the day before they went to have the Passover meal, he said, guess what's about to happen, boys? I, the Son of Man, am going to go into Jerusalem. Let me tell you what's going to... He told them, go read it, it's in the Gospels. They're going to arrest me. They're going to, they're going to crucify me. They're going to scourge me. They're going to kill me. But you know what? Three days, boys, I'm coming back. If those guys really got it, they'd be saying, come on, man, let's march him down to Jerusalem. 
because when he died, you know what they'd have been doing at that cross? They'd been saying, boy, are you all going to be surprised in three days. But they weren't saying that. Why? Because they weren't a three-part being. They did not have a born-again spirit. They were dead spirits, so they couldn't get it. They couldn't get that understanding in Revelation. doesn't come just to your brain. It comes to your spirit, man. They couldn't figure that out until after he was raised from the dead. You still here? So notice this. We don't regard, verse 16, anyone according to the flesh, even though we knew Christ according to the flesh, yet now, now, we know him thus no longer. Now we understand. Now we get it. Tell your neighbor, it's time for you to get it. But you what? You're three. Say, I'm three. You're not two. You're three. Why are you functioning as a two-year-old? You need to function as three. Could I get a better amen? Watch this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, what does he tell me? Out loud, please. So that new creation has come. What's the new creation? What's the new creation? What needed to be recreated? The spirit man, not the soul. The soul's still there. Not the body. The spirit man needed to be recreated. So notice this. Therefore, if we're in Christ, guess what? You're a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold what? All, all things. The phrase here means, so that old guy's dead. This is the Greek. You ready? The old guy's dead. Not only now do you have a new spirit, but you're now supposed to live a whole new life. That's what he just said. When he says all things have become new, it's obviously your soul didn't become new. Your body didn't become new. Anybody looked at your body lately? Your body didn't become new. What does he mean all things became new? Your spirit man did, but the phrase all things became new means now you're supposed to live an all new way of life. You're supposed to go back to God's design. You still here? Verse uh, 18, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has also given us therefore a ministry of what? Reconciliation. To restore others back to him. Any good amens? Say the old previous moral and spiritual condition passed away. Everything with that old previous moral and spiritual condition, guys, passed away. In closing this morning, understand this. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. Even though I've taught this for many, many years, what you've got to get in your, in your knower, in your spirit, man, yes, you need to develop your spirit, man, but you need to do more than that. You need to get your spirit, man, and your soul and your body in concert together, Amen. functioning together as one. Where the spirit, as Brother uh, Sumrall says it, now you understand the Holy Spirit lives in your spirit. So we understand Jesus is king of all kings, clearly. But his point about you as an individual means your spirit has to be the king, meaning what? The one ruling. Your soul is a servant. Say servant. Your soul is there to serve your spirit man. What did Jesus say when he came to the earth? I didn't come to be served. I came to. Who is he? He's like your soul. He's like the word. I came to serve. Amen. I came to serve my father and to do what he called me to do. Hallelujah. Are you listening? Yes. And who was the person on the planet that when he spoke in line with what the father gave him as a directive that actually carried out the very ability to be able to see it come to pass? The Holy Spirit did. Amen. You can do the same thing. Hallelujah. 
That's God's design. I said, that's God's design. Your spirit man has to become the dominant one of you. Your soul has to be a servant to that spirit man. You got to start dealing with your spirit. Your soul, some of you non-word, non-word people aren't going to like this series. Because the only way you change this soulish guy is through this word. I'll show you tonight. I'll show you tonight. I'm going to quote Dr. Sumrall in several areas of this. Dr. Sumrall lived it. I've lived it in parts of my life. I want to live it in more parts of my life. But Dr. Summerall lived it. And Dr. Summerall said the number one, the number one issue for the born-again child of God, you ready? Is learning to discern the difference between their spirit and soul. Most of them think they, they already know how, but they don't. Look at their actions. They prove they don't. Because your body, listen, honest truth, your body's not going to rule you. Your body can't make a decision on its own. If it could, it would not return back to the dust of the ground when your spirit and soul leaves it. It's just doing whatever it's told to do. Right? The body's really not the problem. The problem is the soul. And you got to be able to discern what is the soul and what is the spirit. Because until I discern those two, guess what? I could be functioning what I think is out of God and yet still be functioning out of my soul. And not my spirit man. you got to know the difference. Because until you know the difference, you're never going to function out of the higher nature. The high, when I function out of the spirit realm, last word on it. When I function out of the spirit realm, what am I doing? I'm functioning out of this higher nature of God. Because I've been recreated in the image and in the likeness of God. You listening? I mean, we got proof. Guess what God did to you wherever you were when you called on Jesus? The exact same thing Jesus did with his disciples. He breathed on them. And said, receive the Holy Spirit. Guess what happened when you asked Jesus to come in your heart? God breathed on you. And the Holy Spirit came in and made a brand new creation on the inside. But what you got to do now is deal with this soulish nature who's been in, in the position of leadership way too long. Your soulish nature is the one who said, nope, this is what we're doing today. Nope, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to say, I'm going to say this to him. I'm going to do that to him. No, I'm going to go here and I'm going to go there and I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You have to learn to get this guy now. In his rightful place. And you know what people don't like when you give them authority? They don't like it when you take it away. I can tell you firsthand as a pastor. When you give somebody authority and they violate it and you have to take it back, boy, do they get mad. Who are you? I'm just another believer, but I'm a man of God and I'm also the pastor of this church. And I'm not going to violate the word and let you keep doing stuff the Bible says we can't do. You want to receive it as a rebuke from me, fine. But it's from the word. You're violating the word. I'm not going to let you keep functioning in a place that you're not supposed to function in, contrary to the word of God. All I'm going to do is hurt my church family. Now I don't care about them. I'm just letting whatever happens, happens. Well, I ain't going to let that happen. Come on, somebody. See, one of the ways that you know that your spirit man's in domination, you ready? You ready? You're correctable. Because your soul thinks he's got it all figured out. Don't think he don't. I said, don't think he don't. You know what your soul's saying? Wait a minute, wait a minute. So I didn't get born again until I was 27. Now I know because of what I've learned from the Bible, I know my spirit came from God. I know that I was not spiritually dead when I, when I spirits come from God. You cannot, I know there's people going to argue about this, but the Bible's clear. If your spirit came from God, it can't be dead. God doesn't give you a dead spirit. Paul addressed this issue in Romans 7. So when I came to the knowledge of sin, I died. He didn't die before that. You listening? Well, he didn't die physically. It's in the Bible. God quoted it through Paul. So what was he saying? I died spiritually. 
Well, guess what happens with kids before they come to the knowledge of sin? They tend to be far more sensitive to spiritual things because their spirit's from God. I could give you story after story after story. And there was things about my life I knew as a, as a kid that I didn't really understand, but somehow I just knew about God, I believed in God, all this kind of stuff, and then I, and then I came to the knowledge of sin. Well, then I died spiritually. And after that, guess who became the dominant one? My soul did. I can't remember that. I don't, I don't, most of us probably don't even know that exact day that that happened, but I guarantee it was when I was young. Yeah. I know because I saw my actions when I was young. And those actions weren't of God. And so relationship to me coming to Jesus, I didn't come to Jesus until I was 27 years old. Guess who had the kingship role and dominance in my life all through that period of my life? My soul did. Guess who don't want to get off the throne? My soul doesn't. But guess who has to deal with my soul now and say, you ain't the ruler anymore. Come on. My spirit's now king. You're the servant. I'm what? <laughs> You're the servant. No, no, I've been king. You ain't removing me from my position, bless God. The callings of God are irrevocable. God never called you to be king of my life. God called my spirit man to. Preaching better. Amen. Understand this is God's design, how we function. It answers a lot of questions why we don't see things work a lot of times because if all we're doing is function out of our soul, even with knowledge of the Bible, but our spirit's not involved, there's no power coming. No power being released, right? Where's the power to flow through us to cause that to happen? Inside your spirit, man. And if you don't get your spirit, soul, and body lined up, that power is hindered. It's hindered from flowing. Stand your feet. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.